if we had the last 10 or 12 years to do over, what would we focus on? Welcome, everybody, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. I'm Mike Gomer Gormley, and I am joined by, <laughs> by Dave COVID-20 Van Vickle. How are you doing, Dave? That's, that's the next flu. <laughs> it's going to originate. Yeah, you're, you're leveling house, up. And there'll be like helicopters <laughs> flying over. Yeah. Uh, I'm okay. I this is We're uh, here at ground zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. You know what? Honestly, um, I, I want to be able to work, but as far as like school and stuff like that, I, I, I hope this lasts forever. You know, I love having the kids home and I love, I love being all together and everything like that. And I miss the homeschooling, um, because it just fit, fit with our lifestyle so easily and everything, you know, we kind of worked at our own schedule and of course we had to stop because of Amber's cancer, but, um, but I miss those days. And now it's like back to homeschooling. I do go crazy a little bit during the day with the kids, <laughs> like, like teaching them school, but, yep. uh, but you know, I, and they might have like a lot of bills for like psychologists when they get older and stuff like that, but I'm doing great. So how about you? <laughs> I am not thriving. I am. I, so this, 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 uh, this time period has taught me a lot about myself. I said, uh, you know, cause I, we, we talk about this idea of going independent and being yeah. a full-time speaker, how alluring it can right. be. And I was like, you know, you know, it'd be awesome if, if I did. It. And I've been thinking seriously, like work from home, help the wife with the homeschooling. Yep. I love my office here. Like I feel productive in this place. Yeah. And then um, and then and then uh, COVID hit. Yeah. And and you lost. I lost all my gigs yeah. the second half of March all the way now. Today, Ju uh, June is canceling on me. Yeah. I just got my first June cancelization. Um. So it's like all the like fifty percent of my income for the year is now gone. Me too. Me too. Same so that's thing. a that's a huge yeah. So it's like between March and June, I make about fifty percent because of all the Lent and stuff. So that's gone. And then uh, you start to look at all these things, and I'm like in a panic mode. Well, now I've discovered that I kind of hate being at home all day. Um, but it's different, you know. Even though that we homeschool, I keep telling people. Even though we're at home with the kids, it's different because we can't, you can't break up your day. You can't go, take all the kids and go to the grocery store and go to Target and go to the playground and go to the park. And, right. Um, go, we do this thing called Obstacle Warrior Kids, which is a um, uh, ninja warrior place. Cool. And like our kids love that. And then we do gymnastics on Saturday and all that's off. And you can't even, um, you can't even uh, have your neighbor kids over right. and let that, you know, so it's this constant, like, we're just staring at each other, uh, creeping ever closer to Lord of the Flies. So <laughs> that's my, um, that's my big thing. Like, I don't know. I don't know what this, if I had gone full time, ugh, I would be on pins and needles. Like, I would, I would be so scared. So I still have a job in the parish. Yeah. Um, still working, trying to put in the, you know, it, it realistically in this situation, it's like four hour days instead of eight hours. Um, but the hours are also all over the place. Like if I get up early, I'll start clicking the clacking on my keyboard, editing a video, trying to do all this stuff. Yeah. 
Um, and then, you know, you're bouncing around to like 10 different things. And then I have to go and leave for an hour and a half so that I can focus on the kids while my wife does X, Y, and Z. And, you know, it's just nuts. It really is nuts. Yeah. I I think that, um, kind of like what you said, cause I, I would, you know, you and I were both working on plans to either do something together or to go completely independent or, you know, something like that. But, um, this has just pushed everything so far back. And, and actually I think, for me, it's made it, I don't know, it's given me a lot more clarity, you know, um, that like I, 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 of like what was missing from that plan and the things like that and things I, I need to do. So yeah. I think that's good. You know, um, it's sad. It's a sad time in the church right now because so many um, Catholic church employees are being furloughed and, and let go and things like that. It's a, it's a really awful time. I hope people will, um, will think about the fact that, um, you know, we still, our parishes still need our support. You know, this is, this is, this is hard, yeah. you know? Uh, and actually, did you see, um, one of the bills from the, from the government that got passed is pretty much directly, re- yeah, 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 pretty much directly related to keeping employees on. So hopefully that'll make a difference. But, um, in one see. week, 3.3 million people filed for unemployment. Oh, so it's sad. in one week, the New York times has a stunning cover page of this graph on the bottom of like it going up and down for the last 10 or 20 years since 2000. And then it goes all the way to the margin so that it can accumulate. The highest layoffs that we ever had was about 600,000 in 2008. Yeah. And then it, it's not even, I mean, 600,000 over the span of like a year, a year and a half versus 3.3 million in one week. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is the new Great Depression. It people. is. It's this sad. Is the new Great Depression. It's sad. But you know what? It you is. know what? Uh, the funny thing is, like people keep talking about getting back to normal, and I, I yeah. think this is probably the new normal. I mean, it's not like we're going to be home forever, but like businesses yeah. like overnight are having to adapt to all this and and you know yeah. and and evangelists need to adapt too. Um, speaking of getting everything canceled. I am, uh, yeah. I am, I am booking October right now like crazy, and I want to let yeah. everybody know that I, I we're launching a new website this week, <laughs> the Catholic Truth about Angels and Demons. Ooh. That's just yeah, just dot com, Catholic Truth about Angels and Demons dot com. That's just dedicated to the one talk I do for booking that and everything, and that's pretty much all I'm doing this year, Gomer. I'm pretty much saying no to everything else. Um, other than that wow. talk. And then I have a follow-up talk that's that's uh Mary's role in spiritual warfare. And um I I really uh I'm kind of focusing on that for a few years. And somebody was asking me like why I'm doing that. And I keep saying, like, well, it's just gonna be a few years because I feel like it's a necessary thing right now. And I hope that it won't be necessary in the future. I feel like I'm shedding light on something that needs yeah. to be. So, anyways, if you uh are looking for uh, a great October spooky speaker. Just kidding. I don't, it's really not spooky, but that's when everyone books me. I would love it if you wore makeup like a zombie or a vampire and did a You're commercial. Like, All right, let's do this. <laughs> like I walk Hi, up to Monster I'm Zombie Mesh. Day. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. So it was a monster mesh. <laughs> cool. So what are we going to talk about today? Oh, nothing. I just want to cry and get under my oh desk boy, and wait everybody. for all this to be over. You've heard of sad yeah. seasonal affective disorder? <laughs> Gomer has cat. <laughs> COVID-19 affective disorder. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, you shut your mouth, Dave. You shut your mouth. I am. I am. Uh, I told Dave when we when we were prepping for this call, I just he goes, do you have a topic? And I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I can't come up with anything. And he's like, uh, all right, I got a topic. So, Dave, what's your topic? Yeah, OK, buddy? so I think that it's a good time. You know, a lot of us who have canceled the entire spring, um, a lot of church employees oh, and things yeah. like that and evangelists um, are now kind of looking to fall and looking to next year. And so I thought it might be a good idea to reevaluate. And so what Gomer and I are going to do is just real briefly um, go enter into a discussion of like, if we had the last Gomer, how long have you been in church work? Yeah, I started in 2005. Okay. Yeah. yeah, 15 years. And for me, the last, you know, 10 or 12 years, um, if we had the last 10 or 12 years to do over, what would we focus on? And, and I think that like, this is, um, well, it's something you should be doing every year, obviously, but this is like a really good yeah. time because it's like when we come back, we're going to have limited resources, limited time, and we're going to want to do everything. So if we could only focus on a few important things, what would those focuses be? You know, you want to jump out there that's, or no? That's a pretty heavy question. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a pretty heavy question. Well, you don't, yeah, it doesn't have to be hard and fast. Like it doesn't, you don't have to be like, this is it. And this is only it, but we can have a discussion about it. Those are the Dems rules. The rules. Yeah. Dems the rules. Yeah. Man, I think I think for a large part of uh, you know, you get to do that 2020 rearview mirror thing. If I knew then what I know now, right? Um, a large portion of what I did in youth ministry would be focused on the preambles of faith and pre-evangelization and charisma, because I don't think it, it was probably around year four or five of doing ministry that all the stuff at Franciscan that I learned in in those classes, especially like my catechetics class with Professor Bolster, was, you know, you're going through the general instruction or general directory and catechesis, and you're talking about pre-evangelization, evangelization, and it academically made sense, but the notion of discipleship that, you know, Sherry Waddell's wonderful book kind of crystallized for me in so many ways. I was missing that component. I was a teacher who was really excited to communicate the catechesis of the church, and I didn't understand the value of uh, the the preambles of faith, the values of like philosophically answering where people were. I mean, I love doing that stuff, but it wasn't intentional. It was like Q&A, like, I don't know if God is real or what about science right. and evolution? Right. I wish I was, you know, in my role as a youth minister for 10 years, I wish I was much more intentional about that with my adult faith formation i do these things called the start here series and whenever i have them like class one is like pure i guess you would call it apologetics and philosophy before you know no matter what the subject is morality prayer faith and reason um so i i would say like i feel like now i have a much more crystal clear understanding of my audience and their needs of pre-evangelization, charisma. And of course, I wish instead of just teaching uh, the stuff that I taught, which I don't, I, you know, I didn't teach heresy, <laughs> but yeah, I wish I was more intentional. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm a Pelagian. Um, I wish I put more emphasis on the cross and resurrection like I do now. I mean, that's the biggest thing. People, people can have an attachment to me as a teacher, and I saw that over the years but they weren't having an attachment to the act of salvation that Christ accomplished. And that's my, that's my biggest, um, it's very easy to create a cult of Gomer 
right? What's the line from Francis Chan? If if Jesus opened a church in my neighborhood, mine would be bigger. Yeah. And uh, like, and and that's why he left doing church ministry. And I feel like that that might be a, a wake up call for me. What about you? Yeah. The, oh, so so that's interesting to what you said because that is to me, you know, like I've never been a youth minister. Well, I I, I filled in, you know, at times, but I've never been a youth minister. But yeah. that is like the curse of youth ministry, huh? Like that. I constantly tell my youth ministers, like, I do not want a cult of personality, you know, because it just destroys the ministry when they leave and everything like that. So I'm glad you brought that up because that's really yeah. important. Um, yeah. The other thing. So so here are my two things. OK, here are my two things. And it kind of depends on what parish you're at. Hey, can I just say I something will, real quick? Yeah. Can I say something real quick yeah. about the cult of personality? Of course. In the Catholic Church, in in Protestant churches, the cult of personality is institutional. It yeah, is oh, yeah. encouraged. Oh, yeah. Right. You can't avoid it as a youth minister because the very nature of youth ministry is I'm not going to do this thing. I want you to do this thing. And you're the center point to reach the gospel for our kids. Our priests put that on youth ministers. Our parents put that on youth ministers. Um, and it's it's constantly this vibe instead of understanding, uh, you know, multi-generational catechesis, whole family catechesis, all this stuff. We follow essentially the public school system in segregating out, you know, these different age groups. And by doing that, we put these, uh, what we hope they're apostles and disciple makers, but in reality, they are figureheads and celebrities that we hope just by their personality will appeal and draw them in. And you're right. That is the death of ministry. That's when it becomes the cult of personality, but it's not even the youth minister's fault. They're no, just trying to oh, build relationships. Well, that means I'm the center of the, even if you're leading them to Jesus, the tendency is from institutionally. There's that right. institutional inertia to that. So the, the, I just want to throw that out. The, there. It's funny. It's funny that you bring that up though. And I'm not trying to like get away from our topic, but the other night, Amber, my <laughs> wife showed me a video of a youth minister doing this yeah. like crazy dance with her dad. And it was, it was absolutely hysterical. Like it was so funny. Yeah. And I just thought like, I would love to work with this girl. And, and I guess she's a Catholic speaker. I've, I, I've never heard of her, but you know, I'm not in on that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, um, but she, it was hysterical, but I literally said to my wife when the video ended, like, aren't you so glad that you're, I'm not a youth minister and that I don't feel the pressure to have to do stuff like that. And I'm not even saying that she does <laughs> that. It didn't seem like she did, but that is the way I would feel if I were a youth minister, because it's like, yeah. it's funny, but, it, but anyways. Okay. So, so here, here's, here's my thought. Okay. I, and I, I think if you've been listening to this podcast all along, you're going to guess what I'm about to say. Okay. Uh, two things I would focus on if I, if I could, if I could, I mean, I would focus on a lot of things, but if I had very limited priorities, very limited time, which you all do. I mean, we, we all really do. I'd focus on two things and the things I would have done sooner. Number one, I would have had, I would have focused on perpetual adoration. Number one. Okay. It was such a dynamic force at my old parish in, in so many different ways in spiritually, it's a spiritual atom bomb, first of all, but it also just, it built such incredible community because it was hard. It's, it's really hard to launch perpetual adoration at a parish unless you're at some you know mega parish or something like that um where it just kind of runs itself but like at, at a <laughs> parish where i mean there was a time when i thought like god was literally literally trying to kill me because i was spending so much time filling in for people at adoration you know it's like i was like losing sleep and everything like that but it it is like a spiritual atom bomb and if i 
if I would have, um, if I had known how effective it was at making our parish a source of the kingdom, I would have started on day one. Now, I don't know that I could have, because I think I had to make disciples for three or four years to fill those slots, but I think I would have tried because it was so, uh, so moving and so incredible. The other thing I would do, um, which I harp on all the time, um, if you haven't gotten it yet, you need to get it. I'm telling you, this is a, this is a game changer. There's no magic bullet, but this is certainly a game changer for evangelization. And that is from the St. Catherine of Siena Institute, the Ananias training. Now, it wasn't around when I first started. Right. It's new. But Ananias training, it will, I promise you, if you invest in it, it will change the culture of your parish because um, it is the only thing I've seen so far that effectively makes someone comfortable with evangelizing in, in almost any setting. Right. So it's not like it's not a program where you put up startup small groups, although it would very much help with small groups. It's not a series that you're running or something like that, although it would very much help if you were, you know, running series. It is literally a, a it's it's the best as I've seen out there. Now, I haven't I haven't done any of the trainings like St. Paul Street evangelization or anything like that. But as far as I can tell, even in the Protestant world, it is my opinion that that is the best personal evangelization tool out there, a uh, training program out there. Um, it, it, it radically changed the way I interact with my parishioners. And I think if you could get wow. 50 people trained through that and, and, and training regularly in it, I think it would really make a difference in your parish. What does the training look like? Uh, I mean, it's it's all based on if you're familiar with the St. Catherine of Siena Institute, then you're familiar with most of what they say already. They've just put it in a very comprehensive form and worked on literally how to accompany a person along the path of discipleship. And so, like, they are very explicit about when a person is asking these questions, when a person is doing that, what do you do when a person is, you know, and they have a um, a very simple uh, like video of the charisma that's preached and it's very very simple and so like during the during the training you kind of learn the charisma very well but it's just done in such an excellent way um and it, it it teaches you how you know to recognize where a person's at what spiritual threshold they're at and what to do to try and and, and move them to the next threshold because for for a lot of you you probably are very good evangelists. You're probably a lot better than me. Um, and, and, but you're just not systematic about it. And that's always been my problem yeah. is that I'm just not a systematic person. That's not it for, what do you mean by systematic? Well, like for like me, like follow ups. Yeah. And like, well, you know, putting, not putting the cart before the horse and not, you know, doing things in yeah. order for me, I've always been like, no, I, I, look, we're going to teach about holiness and everything else will be fine, right? Like it'll all work out. And it did work out, but yeah. th but we can be better. You know, we can be very good about training. And and it's not it's not um, a lack of authenticity either to do this. Um, you know, you, you train for everything else in your life. There's no reason you shouldn't train for, you know, uh, trying to make disciples. So those two things I think I would, I would focus on. And it would not be easy, but I would really, really try uh, to, to start if I had to do it all over again with that. Yeah. And then would you, would your third thing be having those intercessors or would your third thing? So I, be... I should have mentioned that. Right. Yeah. So, so I was going to yeah. say, if your parish already has perpetual adoration, I'd focus on intercessory prayer. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'd focus on intercessory. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think the emphasis so much on programs and doing is is ultimately going to undo our parishes because what we're doing is we're overtaxing our lay people to come up with event, 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 event. And we're not centering it on the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We're not centering it on the grace of Jesus Christ. And we're not allowing the the our intentionality to go around what the Holy Spirit is already up to in people's hearts. Right. And we're refusing that kind of divine cooperation, right? We both want to operate. We want to do what the Holy Spirit is doing. We don't want to do what we want to do and then ask the Holy Spirit to bless it. That's I not know. how this whole creator-creature relationship works. But that's our tendency because, you know, as human beings, we want to show, especially now in a time of economic instability, we want to show that we're doing something, right? Um, that wonderful CEO of Popeye's Chicken had this great line where she said um, when they when she was on the board of directors and the board of directors held a secret meeting and unanimously appointed her the CEO and she walked in and they were like, yeah, you're, you're running it. And she's like, what? <laughs> Well, her story, as it unfolds, she goes and starts um, doing a survey of all the different projects that people are working on, and they were working on 278 projects. And so he's talking; she's talking with the guy who Andy Stanley, oh. um, Protestant pastor, who has this leadership podcast. And he said, "Okay, well, give us a reference point. Like, is that a lot of projects?" And she goes, "Okay, well, let me contrast it with what we're doing now. We are working on seven projects." Oh. And he was like, whoa, 200 and whatever to seven? And she said, what, what, what does that mean? And he, she said, what you find is when people don't know what they're doing, they do a ton of things. It's not that they do nothing. When they don't have direction, they do a million things. It's not that they don't do huh. anything. And that you add to that fear. So when you don't have a clear mission, you add to that the fear of losing your job and you want to show how important you are. And so what ends up happening is everyone just starts spinning their wheels and it's all about event, 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 you know, big thing, big thing, big thing. And I think the 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 hidden danger in that is the very thing that soul the apostle at attacks. I am an apostle first, a disciple right. second. And you can't you can't actually give people Jesus that way. People will receive Christ in spite of your ministry, not because yeah. of it. And that's where I think we're witnessing in a lot of ways, like the collapse of Catholic young adult stuff, is if they go through youth ministry and it's nothing but event, 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 you know, treetop, 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 then they go out and land in a, a, a plane and they just fall flat on their face, right. right? When they're not surrounded by a supportive culture, uh, they we find that they don't have the resources. We were essentially keeping them in a nursery and we called it youth ministry. And we were babying them instead of raising them to maturity. So, um, and, and that's what you do when you create an event-like atmosphere. And the same is true for adults. But events bring money. Events bring butts in the seats. Yeah. Events pictures. Uh, do that. <laughs> for the bulletin. Yeah. <laughs> pictures for your yeah. bulletin and your, and your Facebook it's page. True. And your, it's yeah. true. It is. It's hard. It, you know, there, and there's a lot of pressure. And, you know, what, you know what I'm realizing about what you're saying is that I believe a hundred percent in what you're saying and i think i can run a parish well in a different way but i am really bad at communicating that to other people like uh, yeah oh, really? i mean i've i spent a year trying to convince a priest friend of mine of this whole thing and it was like we never even spoke about it like you know just like this idea because I think, you know, it's like I always talk about, it's like the blender. You're describing the Catholic blender. We'll put a bunch of great Catholic events 
at this parish into a blender and we'll pour out a good Catholic, you know? And, and, and I've just, for a year, I tried to like come against, you know, that idea and it, it did nothing. Like it just didn't change anything because I think that this, the idea of production wins every time. Like they don't, they really can't wrap their heads around just somebody just discipling people and not putting on huge, big events. Yeah. And my buddy Luke uh, from Catching Foxes made a really good comment. He was reflecting on a statement that someone said to him, like, you know, back when we were in college. And he said, essentially, you've become really good at this whole God thing. And what he meant by that was all the externals of being a person of faith or a religious yeah. person. You you become good at the God speak and the 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 faux honesty, real talk, you know, all that stuff. And he said, and it was true. And I realized like I wasn't. And the first thing you notice is your personal prayer life dies. And then you then you get that distaste for Christian things or religious things. And then you get that narrowing in on topics that only you want to talk about because you're an expert yeah. in and you don't need to prepare. Right. And you just build and you think you're being an effective apostle, but you're you're really losing your soul. Right. And uh, there's so much with there's so much momentum in marketing um, Catholicism. There's so much momentum in the event style thing that it it almost is imperceptible. Oh yeah, when oh, we yeah. do this stuff, and it's not because it's not that all events are bad. It's not that doing a parish mission is bad or you know doing a conference is bad. I participate in events, parish missions, and conferences because I think they're good. I think they can do a lot of good. I don't do them just for the right. money. Right. I had one person say, oh, I don't believe in those conferences. I said, then why do you still do them? And it's like, well, I need the money. Oh, that's good. terrible. If I ever get like that, punch me. In the I mouth. will. But thank you. I know you will. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like the but there's an element where events can be a catalyst, but they can't be everything. Yeah. Right. right. They can help people move from point A to point B to point C, but they're not going to take you across the finish line. And if we keep treating it like they they are the finish line, then that's the problem. Yeah. And I think, I, I think that, um, you know, kind of what you were saying about it, that events can be a good thing. And I think that what we have to do is slow down a little bit and just say, what are the goals of these events? What are the things that we really, uh, are trying to accomplish here? And also I, you know, I, I love what you're saying about what Luke said, you know, about you're, you've gotten good at that whole God thing. It's really easy with an event-based parish culture for people to get like that, good at that whole God thing, you know? Uh, if we're not teaching them how to pray, if we're not teaching them how to meditate on Scripture, if we're not teaching the things that that yeah. create the organic growth. And I, I I just think, like, you know, we have to continually reevaluate. You know, I, I remember one time you were making fun of me for my my website, um, and I remember yeah. saying to you, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, re I remember yeah. I was saying to you, like, I literally fear having a big flashy website because it's like, I want to make sure it's a hundred percent God. I don't want people to hire me yeah. for, plus the only people who come to hear me are like 70 year old women. And so it's like, they, if they saw a big flashy website, they'd be like, what's going on? Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, but in all honesty, I, I, I have recently had like a lot of, uh, conversations with a you know, somebody who's an evangelist and it's like, they're so good at marketing and business, you know? And I, I, and I don't blame them or anything like that. It's just that I feel like I would constantly be worried that it was more me than it was God, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, may that holy fear never depart from us. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, when we come back uh, from this brief break, we want to encourage you first to email us at EKSB at AccentulePress.com. Uh, we are looking forward to your emails. The emails have definitely slowed down, absolutely. And we're going to do an email show coming up soon. I want to have Marisa back on and help us do the email show. I think that'd be great. I loved having her yeah. on. Um, but when we come back from this brief break from Ascension, we're going to do our five practical takeaways. Uh, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by these takeaways. All right. God bless. Wouldn't it be nice to have a Bible that actually explains how to navigate it and make sense of it? A Bible that includes a detailed plan for how to read it with a page layout that's designed for study and personal devotion? Now, for the first time ever, there is a Catholic Bible that does just that. A Bible that incorporates the same color-coded learning system that has proven so effective in the Great Adventure studies. I have had the privilege of working with some of the most talented biblical scholars of our day, Mary Healy, Andrew Swafford, and Peter Williamson, to create the Great Adventure Catholic Bible. This Bible makes the complex simple as it guides you through the narrative woven throughout salvation history. The translation is the Revised Standard Version, Second Catholic Edition, an elegant, accurate, and modern Catholic translation. The Great Adventure Catholic Bible is perfect for your personal devotion and Bible study, or as a gift for friends and family. If you want to understand sacred scripture and be transformed by the Word of God, then this is the Bible for you. Pick up your copy at ascensionpress.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Every Knee Shall Bow. Thanks for that, uh, all the support that Ascension has given us over this last year. It is crazy, crazy. So here is our five practical takeaways. Number one, reach out via email to someone you haven't spoken to in a while, and let's get that relationship going so you can bring the gospel into the center of it. That's a great COVID-19 Practical takeaway. <laughs> exactly. Number two, uh, since we're you know engaging now in online community and we're not together with God's people, at least physically, um, go ahead and engage as church online and post something about your personal faith on social media. Just uh, that may be out of the ordinary for you, but some statement of faith uh, online so that other people can see it. Number three, please pray a divine mercy chaplet for our medical people that are in harm's way. I have really good friends who are doctors, a hospital administrator. We want to love them through prayer. Awesome. Number four, uh, hopefully you're already doing this. It's been kind of all all over the Catholic devotional websites, but make a daily spiritual communion. Make make a daily spiritual communion. If you don't know what that is, you can just Google one. St. Alphonsus Liguori has the famous one, but it basically goes something like this. Lord, I believe that you are sacramentally present in the Holy Eucharist. I cannot now receive you, but I, I ask that you come into my heart at least spiritually, and I reverence you as if you were already there. Lord, please never let me be departed from you. So make a daily spiritual communion. When you, when you feel that longing... Uh, to be one with Jesus in the Eucharist, and we can't have it right now. It's a perfect time to make a spiritual communion. Absolutely. Uh, and finally, number five, we have the time. Sit down and read one of Paul's shorter letters. So Ephesians, Galatians, Colossians, you know, sit down and read it from beginning to end. Don't stop. These have been your five practical takeaways. This will help you become a better evangelist. Start evangelizing. That's how you become a better evangelist. My name is Michael McGormley. I'm here with David Van Vickle, the sinner's guide himself. 
Um, head on over to ascensionpress.com. Start streaming some more Faith Formation good stuff. Uh, we will see you next week, I guess. Yeah. God bless you all. Adios.